an organized international body of criminals operating originally, well, in Sicily, but, you know, here in the U.S. And now, especially here in the U.S., and having a complex and ruthless behavioral code. Hmm. What does that sound like? You know what it sounds like? Profiles in Corruption with Peter Schweitzer. Peter, welcome to Chewing the Fat. How are you, sir? It's great, Jeff. Great to be here with you. So, America loves to tune in to shows about corruption. In fact, I mean, America was, one could argue that America was built on corruption. You look around, I mean, and one could argue that, you know, our infrastructure railroad built by our friends, the Chinese. Uh, you know, with with help, obviously, from us. Yeah. But uh, but in real life, when you turn around, and you start digging into your book, Profiles in Corruption, and so much of your other work. Um, it's a little scary. I mean, yeah. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? So as I was going through your book, I, first I, I would like to just maybe I, I call it first thoughts mm-hmm. and just go through your chapters. And give me the first thing that comes to your mind from each chapter, okay? First thoughts. Uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, The priest abuse scandal and how she covered it up. Joe Biden. Uh, The United Nations of Global Corruption. Cory Booker. Uh, Machine politician from Newark, New Jersey. Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Corporate sellout. Sherrod Brown. Um, making his brother's uh, legal career skyrocket. Bernie Sanders. Uh, the socialist millionaire. Amy Klobuchar. Uh, the um, crony capitalist. Eric Garcetti. Uh, wow, that's a name I didn't plan on being in this yeah. book either, by the way, just as a side note. That's yeah, the, the, the corrupt machine of Los Angeles. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here's one for you. First thought. Conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 10. (laughs) The conclusion, the first thing that comes to mind is, my God, I can't believe all these people have been doing all these things all these years. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I find it fascinating that um, you see, as I go through this now, um, A lot of what you've talked about in the past, especially when you when we were first uh, when Glenn was first starting to talk to you a little bit about this, uh, was Joe Biden, right? And uh, how his really his eight years as vice president, he turned the heat up on bringing his family, and do we know him? Uh, his bank account has been uh, has been deepened. Or? Uh, yeah, since he's left the the uh, the administration, the Obama administration. Yeah, it has. I mean, he's he went from basically having nothing to now he has nine million dollars. Okay, I mean, but just nine million. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just nine, nine million. million. Exactly. No, it Biden was really about corruption by proxy, which okay, was setting up his his. You know, we call them the Biden Five. They're like the Jackson Five, but they can't sing and dance. <laughs> uh, and the Biden Five are the five family members that cashed in while he was vice president. Incredible, right? I mean, just incredible. Yeah. And, and uh, it's incredible that it... Uh, now, I guess I... I mean, I, I want to say I understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, he, and he, you know, he does come across as that he loves his family and it's all good. Yeah. But much of it 
seems to be at the detriment of the United States, which he's supposed to be in love with. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. People think of corruption, you know, when they think of corruption, they think of like, you know, the county commissioner whose, you know, cousin gets the cement contract to extend the road. And and we know that goes on, and that's a serious thing that needs to be dealt with. But when you're dealing with a Biden, you're dealing about global corruption. This is not some cement company back in the home state. Uh, You're dealing with foreign governments, foreign oligarchs, and they want something. They want something from Joe Biden, and I would argue they're getting those things from Joe Biden. So this is not victimless corruption. Uh, The victim here is the United States, our national security, and our national interests. They're, I would argue, are basically being bitted and sold away in exchange for making his family wealthy. And in the in right, and in the long run, I mean, we're the ones being screwed. Hard. Yes, that's right. I mean, hard in, yeah. in, in the end. Yeah, I mean, I you mean, look at like you look at China. I mean, Hunter Biden did yes. some of these deals with China. Joe Biden's going around saying China's not a threat. China's not a challenge. Well, China, you know, they have a plan. Their 2025 plan. Their goal is to supplant us. Yeah. As the global power. I mean, so you know, how can you go around and say they're not a threat? The fact that your son's doing deals with them, maybe that's influencing you. I think it is. Uh, it certainly seems that way, and it certainly seems that it's going against what you're supposed to be or were supposed to be doing as a representative of our great nation. That's exactly right, Jeff. That's exactly right. And what's pr- the problem is so many political figures, and this is people in both political parties, they're supposed to be performing public service. They're really performing self-service. I mean, they, they really are adopting positions and carrying out policies that they know uh, are going to benefit their families, and that's why they're, they're pursuing them. So the latest book, Profiles in Corruption by Peter Schweizer, you know, we talked, you talk a little bit about the um, uh, cement contractor right. in your hometown yeah. uh, who is, you know, started off, and, and we, I started off with talking about how the country was, you know, pretty much built on corruption. Well, really that's why that a guy like Joe Biden and we'll get to uh, Eric. I want to get to Eric Garcetti because I haven't heard anything about Eric Garcetti. And, and I mean, that's, it, it's incredible that his name's on the list. Uh, and I believe that that's why guys like Joe Biden and, and women like Kamala Harris and uh, Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren all get to the point of feeling it's okay because grandpa was the cement contractor who paid off (laughs) bill downtown a hundred years ago so that he could build the road and then we all got rich yeah no i I think that's a it's a very important point jeff because the culture of washington dc revolves around this stuff and i'm convinced the longer you stay there the more acceptable becomes i I was told this great story by bobby jindal you know the former louisiana governor he served uh three terms in congress in washington and, and he told me really explicitly, he said, when I first got to Washington, D.C., I, you know, these, these back room deals, he says, it really looked like a cesspool. It just felt like a cesspool. He said, but you stay there long enough, that cesspool becomes a hot tub. Yeah. It, it becomes normalized. It becomes regular. That's how you get business done. Yeah. And, and I think the, the, the key thing is it's very, very hard for a political figure to stay in Washington for 10, 15, 20 30 years, some of it, Joe Biden's been there 40 years, and not have this stuff rub off on you. Some of them have, 
But I would argue most of them have not. And that's one of the reasons I'm a big supporter of term limits. You just cannot trust people with that much power for that, that long. long. Eventually, it's going to rub off on them. I mean, it certainly feels that way. And even if, and even if you justify it with, I'm sure that many justify that their little bit has to be done so that they yeah. can get other business done. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. No. And look, we, we all we all recognize, like you know, in Congress, you're trading votes. Like you know, you know, you're you're a senator from a state. I'm a senator from a state. You're trying to get me to support, you know, some you know part of the defense budget or whatever. And I say, well, you know, Jeff, I, I really need this help with this this highway extension <laughs> yeah. in my state. You're gonna people understand that. I need that, an off ramp. Yeah, exactly. I need an off ramp. You know, in my hometown, <laughs> uh, people kind of get that that goes on. What we're talking about here, though, are deals that are making your family rich, right? We're not talking about something that's going to help you get reelected or something that's good in the home district that's going to make you popular. We're actually talking about deals that are going to make your family wealthy. And a lot of times the deals aren't even done. Like in our scenario, we're two senators or whatever. The scenarios are now done with foreign governments. Nations. Yeah, yeah. and foreign oligarchs. People that are competitors or they want something for us or they're rivals from us. So it really has eroded. The corruption's become globalized. We hear about globalization. Well, yeah. corruption's been globalized too. And I realize that, you know, it's, it's a, you know, we start talking about, uh, and that's kind of where the, you get the argument of the evils of capitalism mm-hmm. uh, because of that. Because, you know, I want to be like, well, you know, they're doing business and we're, we're building things and things are going up. But in the long run, when, uh, you know, I remember as a 150-year-old man that, uh, you know, the days of uh, radio hosts uh, talking about, what are you worried about China for? They don't even have a Navy. Right, right. Well, they certainly do now. Yes, that's exactly uh, they right. They certainly do now. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a building process. Yes. They're not, uh, they, they were, back then, obviously right. Yeah, they didn't have a Navy. They had, you know, a couple of guys rowing in a boat. Right. But back in port, they were building up that Navy. That's right. And they were building up that Navy, which I found fascinating, with the help of uh, our great senator from Kentucky, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, this is a bipartisan I know problem. this isn't, Mitch isn't in your book. Yeah, no, no that's okay. It was in it was in Secret Empires, the previous book. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, this is the problem. The Chinese are our rivals. It's, you know, people look to Russia. Russia's a declining power. They're declining demographically. Hey, they're Their economy's on, yeah. not in good shape. China's the ascendant power. They view us as a rival. The world knows that. We, yes, I, I, we know. exactly. And, and what, Jeff, what they figured out is the way that we are going to win this competition with the United States is we are basically going to buy off their, their political class. We're going to buy off their leaders. So we're going to do deals with Joe Biden's family. But we're bipartisan, right? We're bipartisan. Okay. So we're going to buy off <laughs> you know, Mitch McConnell's family, which is essentially what they've done. And so Mitch McConnell, uh, the Senate Majority Leader, and Joe Biden, who was Vice President of the United States, both had deals with the heart of the Chinese state, the Chinese military-industrial complex. And their family made money of it. In Mitch McConnell's case, uh, Elaine Chow, uh, his wife and her family, uh, have a maritime business. Um, and and their business partners are the Chinese Navy, um, which you know builds their ships, uh, finances the construction of their ships, provides crews for their ships. I need a little help. Yeah, myself. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. That's, this is what's wrong. Are you wrong. looking for a Chinese? I deal, am Jeff? actually. You I'm are. telling you. You are. See, that's the problem. Does Glenn <laughs> know about this? Does Glenn know you're looking for a China deal? Shh. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> he knows I need help. So it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible, right? I yeah. know you were. I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. I mean, it's, it's it's that's part of the problem. So Mitch is never gonna. He's not gonna want to bring it up. No, and I mean, uh, the, the, he's the, not going to. He's not going to want to say, yeah. "Oh, Joe Biden, bad for yeah. dealing with China, bad, bad, yeah. bad." Because exactly, you flip the page, and there's his family. Yeah, and and the the realities of the business, and people in the industry talk about this and know this is, if Mitch McConnell did something as a senator that upset the Chinese, uh, they could destroy the family business tomorrow. Tomorrow, I mean, they would have they would have no ships, they would have no clients, they would have no customers. Everything would be completely gone. So what is that going to do if there's a critical issue, a vote coming up on U.S. policy towards China and China does not want that policy to pass? What is Mitch McConnell yeah. going to do? He's he's in a pickle, as yeah. they say. And the more I mean, uh, looking at it from Mitch's point of view, which is, you know, I'm sorry, America, but I'm doing this. Uh, Mitch would say, well, I'll fight. I'll have other senators do my bidding for me right so yeah. that i i look i'm gonna say china good but you just make it china bad and we'll right. be out of it but that's where we get into uh having people with more juice joe biden right and the biden family so i mean they're when you say they're bipartisan they most definitely are and that's the reason why that's you know, right they planned on that they planned on uh mitch because joe as a senator couldn't do what he did as a vice president. He didn't right. have he didn't have the you know the mob the mafia juice yeah. to pull it off. Yeah. As vice president, he did. Yes. No, that's exactly right. And look, they're very strategic in their thinking. And they, and I talked about in, in Secret Empires. I had a chapter on the Trump family, and the Chinese are very explicit. I mean, they clearly do not like Donald Trump's China policy. They don't like his policy on trade. They don't like the fact that he is attuned with their their territorial claims in the South China Sea. Yeah. They want Donald Trump's policy to change. And they're very explicit. The way they hope to do it is they want to give sweetheart deals to his kids. And then the kids are like, oh, come on. The Chinese are not that. You know, right. like Joe Biden says, yeah. they're not really a threat. That's, That's right. the strategy. Now, the family has resisted those deals. I hope they continue to resist good. those yes, deals. Good. But that is the Chinese strategy. Because their point is... Why, you know, engage in this massive competition when we can spend 5% of that by just buying off their political yeah. leaders and neutering them? And that's what they're hoping to accomplish. Just unbelievable. So the uh, the magic of uh, profiles of corruption is Biden and Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, who, you know, Elizabeth Warren. All right, let's, t- let's talk about this now. We've got, uh, you know, I know we're in the smack dab in the middle of the uh, Democratic primaries for uh, who's going to run against uh, Donald Trump, but Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are right there. Uh, Joe Biden, hey, hey. Uh, but I mean, Biden, of course, you know, had the, you know, the Biden five, so he right. was busy performing uh, all around the world <laughs> with that. Right, right. But uh, Elizabeth Warren seems... Uh, a little strange because she's a senator. She has a little bit of juice like Bernie Sanders and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch McConnell has a little bit more as uh, as the head of the Senate. But uh, Elizabeth Warren, I mean, she's a she's a school teacher. Right, <laughs> right, right. Teacher. exactly. What is yeah. she doing? Well, here's the interesting thing. So before she becomes a senator, um, her net worth is about twelve million dollars. So she didn't get it's not that. Bad. Yeah, not bad. And she did not get that by teaching. At law school, even at Harvard University, they don't pay you that really? kind of money. And, yes. or, or, or helping uh, children? Yeah, exactly. In, or helping children. In elementary or, schools. Or, or, or trying to clean up government. Yeah. No, huh. it's it's she she uh, exercised one of the dirtiest games in Washington, D.C. 
lot of people don't know, in the mid-1990s, she was hired by Congress and paid by taxpayers. She was a law professor at the time to rewrite part of U.S. bankruptcy laws. And these are bankruptcy laws that deal with large corporations dealing with class action lawsuits. So she's being paid by us in 1994. Some of those rules make it into the new U.S. law. So what does she do? She goes to large corporations who are going to be affected by this law. And she says, hire me to work for you (laughs) and I will help you navigate the laws that I myself actually wrote. That's a good move. And that's what she did. And so she went to Dow Chemical. She went to Anderson. And Worldwide. these companies are going to be paying for it, right? I mean, oh, they want abso- to have absolutely, to. and they're paying her more than a thousand dollars an hour uh, to consult. So she made millions of oh, dollars doing this. It's the classic, uh, the classic, uh, you know, DC corruption move. So when she now goes on the campaign trail and talks about, you know, corporate power and corporate I influence, corporate write corruption, these laws to bring these companies down, right? I didn't mention that I got paid by those same companies uh, 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 to help them uh, 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 you know, neuter those laws so they wouldn't affect them. That is amazing. It is. It's amazing. I and then almost to, want to love her for that. <laughs> you like that move, Jeff? I is do. That it? I did. do like okay. that move. Yeah, I'm kind of on the criminal side for that. <laughs> oh, wait, it's not criminal. No, I'm sorry. It's just her being helpful. Yeah, that's, that's all right. it is. So uh, Bernie Sanders, another one on the campaign trail uh, telling us uh, how bad, uh, well, billionaires are now since he's been, it's been, he's been outed as a millionaire. Right. So we can't, millionaires are okay. We just hate billionaires yeah, now. Yeah, and that's actually true, by the way. We chart of this beginning in the 1970s uh sorry beginning in the 1980s he would he had this phrase that our politics is dominated yeah, by billionaires and millionaires use that phrase for 36 years in that 36th year he became a millionaire so he dropped the millionaire scratch the millionaire exactly. out of, out of we're, the only, we're only going to talk about the billionaires <laughs> bernie has the, the only these jobs guys, man, these guys are just yeah um, it's remarkable isn't it the Bernie, since uh, he was 39 years old, the only adult job he's ever had in his life has been in politics. Right. I mean, he was trying to make albums as a mayor or something. Exactly. That didn't work out well yeah. for him. And he, so he becomes mayor of Burlington, Vermont. First thing he does is he hires his girlfriend, Jane, who later becomes his wife, and puts her on the city payroll. And the city council is like, wait a minute, you can't do that. You're nah, actually, she's working for us yeah, now. You're not, yeah, you're actually not even giving her a job that exists. <laughs> this hasn't been authorized. I'm the mayor. She yeah, gets a you job. Did, you didn't advertise it. Bernie blew him off and said, too bad. She's on the payroll. And that kind of began right. the predicate. And he's done the same thing when he ran for Congress and ran for the U.S. Senate. Uh, he, he steered campaign money to his wife and to his family. Uh, and this has been kind of the way the Sanders family has rolled. Um, and so today, one of the reasons that they're millionaires, they have three homes, uh, is that, that he has steered money to his family and they've benefited from it. Um, and then when you look at his investment portfolio, I mean, this is really interesting, right? You want to know a lot about a man? Look what they actually do with the hard-earned money sure. that they have. Yeah. So Bernie Sanders is a socialist, denounces corporations, sure does. believes in climate change, all these issues. Let me ask you, Jeff, do you think that Bernie Sanders has taken his stock portfolio and put it into socially responsible well, investment you funds? You asking me the question makes me <laughs> makes me want to say no, but I mean the answer should be he absolutely does, you right? Would think I mean he, he would, absolutely right? does. Yeah, that 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 he would be invested in socially responsible investment. He's not. 
He's invested in Fortune 500 investment funds. Uh, uh, he and his wife have done this. Um, you know, so the, 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 the thing that I always tell people, whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's Bernie Sanders, pay less attention to what they say and focus on what they actually do. Yeah, but what if they tweet about something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that should be. I mean, we're going to look at a tweet to assess policy towards yeah. Russia. We're not actually going to examine <laughs> Russia policy. And with Bernie Sanders, we're going to look at the fact that he's going to fight the corporations rather than the fact that he's earning money right. based on his investments in corporations. And I find it uh, a great uh, a great inside little side point of uh, Bernie, you know, three homes yeah uh it's nice that he struggles well he struggles and by the way with, the, with the people yeah by the way the third home um is in what's called the island family trust which is a tax avoidance i mean it's set up to minimize taxes for the family so not only huh. did he buy the third home he put it in a trust huh. so his family could avoid certain the, tax of burdens. course of course of course he did i mean that's just, of course he did it's just uh, you yeah. know I, I, it's it makes me it makes me so angry, and and let's say I, you know, if if you read this book and you don't get angry, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing with your life? Yeah. Uh, but on the end of that, we know that it got started by you know, great grandpa Bill paying off the mayor to get the cement contract for the roads, and we we know that. Uh, we know that Bernie is hiring his wife to go buy commercials at the mm-hmm. local radio station and take her cut for the family, mm-hmm. which, by the way, that sounds like a good gig. Uh, <laughs> Especially when you don't really, that, you've like never really done that good before. Gig. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have, and I would like to oh, say, Bernie, done, so I'm with you. You know, you know I, how I've this been works. in radio a thousand years. I'd like. You know how this works. And, uh, uh, I mean, how does it end? Without, I, without burning, I mean, without literally burning it to the ground my my point is no person is irreplaceable and what i tell people is we've got to hold everybody into account especially your own i mean if you are a conservative republican you cannot say well yeah okay that guy did sweetheart deals for his family and yeah it's corrupt but he i agree with him so it's okay you can't say that as a liberal democrat either the point is you have to hold them into account and We've got to get away from the notion that we need certain people to run the country. We don't need certain people to run the country. This country is run by institutions that sure? were set up sure we by genius. <laughs> that sure? were set up by genius founding fathers. Nobody's irreplaceable. So my point is we need to hold these people accountable uh, when necessary. We need to expose them, even mock them, uh, even even you know explicitly say this is outrageous. It needs to stop, and they need to learn. It's funny be held into account for this. It's funny how they uh, and I say they as uh, you know our our government entities are all trying now to uh, stop us from being able to mock them. I wonder why that is. Yeah, yeah, I no, exactly. They, they write their own rules, so a lot of things they do. If you did it as a corporate executive, I mean, if you did self dealing stuff uh, where you were the CEO of General Electric and you hired your nephew's consulting business. And you didn't disclose it. I mean, you're going to get you're going to be in serious legal trouble with the SEC, All right? Because there are rules against that. Well, if you're a politician and you do that, guess what? It's okay. The politi- yeah, the, because the politicians write their own rules. I mean, we're seeing they just they just filed a thing for these uh, for Google and Microsoft and a few other companies to put down now to document the smaller deals that they do that went under the wire, right? 
Right, so they're going after them yes. for the smaller deals that went under the wire that they didn't have to report. Exactly, but not in Washington. Yes, that's not exactly. in Washington D.C. That's exactly right. And this is this is the inherent problem. I mean, we have a representative government, so we we realize it's not a direct democracy. But the challenge is when you allow politicians, they're allowed to write their own rules. So they're going to write rules that they can get away with stuff that if you and I did it or a corporate executive right. did it, they'd, they'd be facing serious legal jeopardy. It's funny, when you talk about, uh, and you go back to term limits now a little bit, when you uh, the original outlay against that would be, well, look, you find someone in your hometown or your area that you that is saying and doing the things that you believe, get behind them, get more people behind them, and get them in office, right? Yeah. So that's your term limit. And if he does something that goes against what you and your people are are, are for, right. get him out. Yes. Find somebody else. Yeah. But in in putting those people in office, in going to the cesspool and having them be in the hot tub for so long right. and right. writing their own rules and laws, we've found that they've written their own laws to help them avoid being voted out of office. That's right. That's exactly right. right. I mean, that's and so the term you're back get back to your term limits. I th- think I'm with you on that. Yeah, I, I've I, changed I, on this by the way. I used to not be in favor of but what I'm you realize you is like that, you know, the founders didn't actually imagine that a guy would actually want to go to the swamp of Washington DC, which is literally a swamp. And want to spend the next 20 years of their life there. They never envisioned that. They thought that people would come out of a sense of responsibility. They would serve a couple of terms in Congress. They'd serve a, a term or two in the Senate. Do what they could, what's best for the country out of their heart. And then go back, go home. back home. And that's not what happened. It's become so lucrative. You know, you get people coming into Congress and the Senate. You know, their net worth is $100,000, $200,000. They leave 20 years later and they're oh, worth $20 million. I, it's I, like, how on earth did that happen? My, I remember my dad saying, ah, those guys, they go in. They go, they're going from a $30,000 a year job and two years from now he's going to be worth a couple million. They, yeah. They're not leaving that. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's an old joke about, um, you know, old, old timer that's, that's uh, saying, yeah, you know, my congressman, he's not very bright. And they're like, well, how do you know? And they said, well, he's been there 20 years and he's not worth very much money. Um, that's <laughs> right. how cynical it's become. Yeah. But but the reality is, um, you know, we now have people that want to make a career out of politics, not just to serve and to make policy, but because they see it as an avenue for self-enrichment. And yeah. that's a dangerous place for it us to be. sure is. Absolutely. Peter Schweitzer, Pro Vials of Corruption. Okay, I know you're busy. I know you got to get out of here, but tough. I hear you here. I'm not letting you leave. How about that? Uh, I wanted to get to, uh, I know I, the rest of these are tremendous people, but I teased Eric Garcetti. So I have like three things for you before I let you out of here, all right? Yeah. One is Eric Garcetti. Give me the uh, the best story about Eric Garcetti in L.A. Because, I mean, that guy was, he was around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So Eric Garcetti is very interesting. Eric Garcetti decided as mayor to set up something called the Mayor's Fund. Oh, that sounds oh, really nice. I like that, actually. A mayor's fund. Like and he's going he's gonna to take this money and he's going to give it to deserving charities and people in the community, community activists, et cetera. Now, what does he want to do? Well, this has got to be funded. How is he going to get this funded? Well, he's going to create a new pocket so that you know developers and con- people that want to have construction projects approved not only can give money to his campaign, 
But now they can give to to the mayor's fund. Almost sounds like Hillary Clinton's plan as Secretary of State with the Clinton Foundation. That's exactly right. Almost sounds like that. I don't know what I'm talking about, (laughs) Peter. So you go ahead with more about Eric Garcetti. But you're exactly right. This is what it is. So it's a new pocket. And what you find is that, you know, if you were if you wanted to build a project in Los Angeles and it was zoned, you can only build 12 stories. Well, if you made a large donation to the mayor's fund. He'll give you a waiver. Well, you can build a 22-story building. Yeah, you know, these rules are meant to be broken. They're meant to be changed. And so it's a pay-to-play system, and Garcetti has used it to master effect. In one term, he raised $33 million by doing this. And these were companies from around the world. Uh, There are now two FBI investigations in Los Angeles looking into the mayor's fund and how all of this was done. Oh, there should be. Yeah, massive cronyism and corruption in Los Angeles. And I think it's another one of the reasons why California is struggling, Los Angeles is struggling, because people, this is the kind of stuff you associate with Tammany Hall, the old New York of Tammany (laughs) Hall. Well, it's come to Los Angeles, and it's very hard to do business there without paying people off. I mean, well, that's the same as, uh, you know, we, we, Booker was in the book with that in yeah. Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, holy cow. It's just built on corruption. It's built fact, on corruption. That's the title of your next book. You're welcome, by the way. <laughs> Thank You're you. welcome. No, no, I'm here for you. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's incredible that it has been. And I, I you know, I, it's a matter of just paying attention and uh, really not putting up with it. Exactly. Um, all right. So two more things. Yeah. All right. Um, you have do you have like a basement or another building that you keep all these books and records and I mean you've got footnotes and you've got we people do. you've got, you, you're documenting things I mean there's this uh, thing called the cloud are you, are so you we've got a, them all on the cloud do you not have you not have like a Faraday cage to keep everything in so you're not losing it any, anywhere I mean right. how 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 are you how are you doing it are you, uh, yeah, you know, we, you've got to have a great team we do we have twelve researchers um, and we do forensic research so uh, Jeff there's no anonymous sources in the book. Um, it's all based on paper trail. And what I mean by that is either corporate records, um, it's either a, a journalistic account that you know is based on you know good journalistic source. It's based on foreign corporate records. It's we've got court documents, court cases, for example. You can get a lot of financial information out of that. So we take that material and we do what we call a 360. We look at Kamala Harris. Who are the financial people that are important to her life? Who are the financial people in, important to her family? How is that? in any way connected to her political career and you start to form a picture that book took 18 months worth of research a 12-man team doing research over 18 months so it's very, very extensive and detailed. I mean, we got maybe, 1,200. Maybe you get a faster team. Yeah. I, just, I, I don't know. Maybe you get, I just think talking out loud now. Just, <laughs> but, you know, we have 1,200 footnotes in there, and you can replicate it. You can take the document. You can take the material. You can locate it yourself. 99% of it is available on the web if you know where to find it. Um, and, and you can retrace your steps. So there's nothing hidden here. There's no, you know, fake news or anonymous. I mean, it's great courses. work. It's Thank great you work for much, you and Jeff. your team, man. I, it's very tough. I would Thank keep you. your head down too, yeah, by the way. We do. I mean, wear a different hat every day. We do. Just so I would be very, very careful with that. All Thank right. You. Now on a personal note, the last time yeah. you were here yeah, and this is, you know, this is chewing the fat. So yeah. we, we do discuss, you know people's eating habits from time to time on yes. the program yes including my own and yeah. I, you know I'm a, i've struggled with uh, being Understood. 800 pounds uh, for most of my life but the uh, last time you were here you up here 
to uh, way more the last time than you do now. Yep. And I don't want to say that you're pissing me off, but you are. <laughs> I don't know what your problem is. I mean, are, you know, I, I don't want, you know, you're not sick, are you? You're yeah. all right. You're okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're actually I'm, I'm you're, you're attempting to lose yeah, weight, right? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? What uh, are you doing? Low-carb diet. Um, it's, it's, and, and it, you know, life is hell when you're on a low carb diet, I don't know. I but don't it's, know. but I tell you, it's the, the key thing that that's what I found is I love sweets. I love donuts. Oh my gosh. I love pie. It's a good I thing I cake. don't. I'll tell you that. I, <laughs> I, you can't tear me away. I, from I love, I love, oh. I love sweets. And the key thing is I just went cold Turkey and I, yeah. and I basically go six days a week where I don't have really any baked goods. I'll have, I'll have one slice of toast for breakfast. Okay. Other than that, I'm eating vegetables. I eat bacon. Oh, I, I eat you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's been the key, and it's worked for me. Yeah. Uh, I lost yeah. Uh, 28, uh, 28 to 30 pounds doing yeah. that. Keeping it off, you have to kind of stay off it. But one day, I know week, it's tough. Listen, I yeah. lost a bunch of weight before, and then you know I've struggled with it coming back. Sure. And I, you know, I've done hardcore and have you tried? Have you, have you tried uh, a long a time hard- ago? Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah, was the you know back in the uh, the o- the olden days of when Atkins was still alive. Yes. Uh, you the know. key the key thing that it works for me is I have to have less than twenty net carbs a day. So that basically is one slice of toast and two Michelob did Ultra you? beers. That's basically it. That's basically it. The day it, is good. The day is good. Did you do? I just read a story where they're asking people to uh, give their DNA right. to get the diet plan for I have not the done DNA that. Have plan. You, have you tried no. that? No, I, I have was not ju- done I, have, I just saw the story. I was going to talk about it on the show. Yeah. And I uh, hadn't got to it yet because I'm, I'm not sure that I. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds yeah. good. Yeah. I don't know that I want to get. You know, I've, the gov- I guess the government has everything about me anyway. Yes. Who cares? Just take well, my but I'll DNA. say what I what I did like about the low carb thing, having done other diets in the past, is um, you're not hungry because you can eat. You can eat as much chicken. You can. I like right. cheese. You can eat right. cheese. You, you yeah. just stay away from carbs. So you're not sitting there. Oh, I'm so hungry. Right. You're you're having a little bit of withdrawal because you're not having well, sugar. No, you're not no having, sugar. Yeah. But, but but the point is, is you're not sitting there with your stomach growling because you've been given a little box that says do this you is focus all. You can on eat. The, do you focus on uh, a lot of things? Like there's a number of things that have uh, you know sugar in it. Correct. That. Uh, for me, no. it's all about the carbs. So, okay. so as long as the carbs okay. are okay, um, then I'm good. And then on the on the seventh day, on Sunday, you know, I don't go crazy. I don't get two dozen donuts. But you know, I let myself have dozen a dozen and a half. Bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I let myself. Okay, I can have a slice of pie. I can, you know, because you don't want to completely. Right. But then the next day, I get back on. Back so on. that's worked for me. I know different people are different. I have friends that have tried low carb and have struggled with it. But you know, just keep fighting the fight, man. You look like you're right. you're down from where I, you were. I am. I am. You're a looking bit. good. Yeah, I am. Now, now, don't now you piss me off. Get, <laughs> get out. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. I appreciate it. Peter Schweitzer, Profiles of Corruption is the latest book, and there's plenty more great books from Peter, and I'm sure there's plenty more to come. Thank you. I appreciate you Thanks, coming Jeff. out today, man. Great it's to good be with to you. See you.